right. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Yak Talk, Hacking the Boards. I'm Yakov. I'm Ben. And a special welcome to you all to our first Soap Note episode, as we like to call it. These uh, Soap Note episodes are meant to be a rapid fire question and answer uh, to be used essentially right before your exams for high yield facts. We won't have the same in-depth explanations like we do in our, our other episodes. Today, we're just going to be doing rapid-fire question and answer on angina, ACS, heart failure, and shock, aka our first six episodes. Uh, and we'll leave a second after each question for you to pause the video and try to think of the answer on your own. So with that in mind, let's dive in. Okay, I'm going to take lead on episode one. Yako, what's the most commonly tested cause of angina that's not ACS and why? So that would be anemia and essentially demand ischemia. What are some past medical history facts they'll use to indicate high risk for ACS? So that would be hyperlipidemia, smoking, and diabetes. What is the general rule for the degree of stenosis and mechanism in stable angina, UA slash NSTEMI, and STEMI? For stable angina, we expect 70% or more stenosis without plaque rupture. For unstable angina or NSTEMI, You'll have between 70 and 100% stenosis, and the mechanism there is plaque rupture with overlying thrombosis. And with STEMI, you'll have 100% occlusion, but due to the same mechanism, plaque rupture with thrombosis. What do you expect on EKG from a person with stable angina? You would expect nothing while at rest, but you might see ST depressions when they're symptomatic from exertion, such as during a stress test. Who doesn't get an exercise stress test? Three main indications or contraindications for stress tests. If you can't tolerate it, if you have a left bundle branch block, or if you have a pacemaker. What are the two drugs you can use for a pharmacological stress test? For a pharmacologic stress test, we typically use adenosine or dobutamine. In two words, how does the adenosine stress test work? So two words, coronary steel. In three words, how do nitrates help relieve anginal pain? Venodilation and therefore decreased preload. You snuck some extra words. I, I know, I know, I cheated, I cheated, I'm sorry. Venodilation, decreased preload. What's another cause of chest pain relieved by nitrates they might trick you with on the exam? Esophageal spasm. In three words, promise me three. Okay, I promise. Why do beta blockers relieve angina? Decreased myocardial demand. In three words, what differentiates unstable angina from stable? Pain at rest. Thanks for not cheating that time. Yeah, yeah, no worries, no worries. I, I play by the rules. All right, everyone, let's have Yako lead us in episode two. All right, so Ben, in two words, what lab distinguishes the diagnosis of NSTEMI from unstable angina? Elevated troponin. Great, and what's the difference in treatment between unstable angina and NSTEMI? None. Perfect. What's that beautiful mnemonic for treatment of both UA and NSTEMI? Mona C. Bash. Nice. And check out our previous videos uh, for more on that. What's the mechanism of action of clopidogrel? P2Y12 inhibitor, antiplatelet. Wonderful. Name two reasons why beta blockers are used in ACS. One, prevent deadly ventricular arrhythmias. And two, decrease heart rate and contractility, which decreases O2 demand on the heart. What areas of the heart do V1 through V4 leads represent? Which artery? Anterior and septal, mostly the LAD. Now, if I say leads 2, 3, and AVF, you say? RCA, or the inferior region. 
So that leaves leads uh, one, AVL, V5, and V6. What do you think of with those leads? These are the lateral leads, roughly covering the circumflex. Nice. How do we treat a STEMI? Monacy bash while getting them to a cath lab. And let's say there's no cath lab anywhere nearby? TPA, some sort of blank to place on the exam, or streptokinase or fibrinolytic. Uh, what's the treatment for flash pulmonary edema? Furosemide. And what are the contraindications for beta blockers in acute MI? Pulmonary edema, bradycardia or heart block, cardiogenic shock. Nice. What's the type of acute MI that leads to both hypotension and bradycardia? Right MI because of the SA node. Great. And what are the hemodynamics we expect in a left-sided MI? SVR, right preload, and left preload are all increased. And how about for a right-sided MI? SVR and right preload are increased, but left preload is decreased. Great. And what's one thing we would give in a right-sided MI that we wouldn't give in a left-sided MI and vice versa? You can give IV fluids in a right MI and you can't give nitro. And what's the hemodynamic reason behind giving IV fluids and holding nitroglycerin in a right-sided MI? Preload. IV fluid increase preload so they're helpful. Nitrates reduce preload so they're bad. Great. All right. And Ben's going to lead us through high yield question and answer of episode three. Name two post-stent complications. So we think about stent thrombosis and cholesterol embolism. How does stent thrombosis present? It presents just like any other MI. What helps in preventing this? Taking your dual antiplatelet therapy, so aspirin and clopidogrel. How does cholesterol embolism present? The classic finding they'll give on the exam is libido reticularis and bluish uh, digit coloration. You can also have a new AKI and new GI issues. How do they describe libido reticularis on exams? Lacy mottled skin. How do they get at the pathophys of cholesterol embolism? So the catheterization shoots cholesterol emboli to arterioles throughout the body, and they can also deposit in the skin. Walk me through the timeline of structural post-MI injuries. For acute or three to five days after an MI, we think about papillary muscle rupture and interventricular septal rupture. And anywhere from acute to two weeks after an MI, we think about free wall rupture. And finally, up to several months after an MI, we can have a left ventricular aneurysm. Which of these is only from a right-sided MI? That would be the papillary muscle rupture. Only from left? That would be free wall rupture or LV aneurysm. How do you diagnose any of these structural post-MI complications? That would be with an echo. Two findings of papillary muscle rupture. So one, mitral regurge murmur, aka a holosystolic murmur heard best at the apex. And number two, pulmonary edema, which you'll see as bilateral crackles. Two classic findings in interventricular septal rupture. So first, you'll hear a harsh holosystolic murmur best heard at the left lower sternal border. And second, you'll see a higher O2 saturation in the right ventricle than you do in the right atrium. Findings in free wall rupture. Here you'll see fluid in the pericardial sac on echo and possibly cardiac tamponade. What's the clinical presentation of intraventricular septal or free wall rupture? That type of patient will be in shock. Two physical exam findings of left ventricular aneurysm. First, you could see bilateral crackles. And second, you could see a slight systolic flow murmur. Classic EKG findings for left ventricular aneurysm. Here you'll see Q waves and ST elevations in the same leads as the original MI. Greatest risk factor, 
for development of a left ventricular aneurysm. That would be a lack of or delay to reperfusion. And feared complication of a left ventricular aneurysm. The feared complication there is a mural thrombus forming and then embolizing anywhere in the body, typically causing either acute limb ischemia or stroke. To inflammatory post-MI complications and their timelines. As for inflammatory, you can have acute pericarditis up to seven days post-MI and Dressler syndrome two to six weeks post-MI. What's the pathophysiology behind Dressler syndrome? That would be autoantibody development. And the classic EKG findings in these pericarditises? You'll see ST elevations and or PR depressions in most or all leads. Pericarditis or Dressler's treatment? High dose NSAIDs plus or minus colchicine. Okay, take us away for episode four, High Yield Facts. All right, let's do it. So Ben, what's the problem in systolic heart failure? Pump is broken, so ejection fraction is reduced. And how about in diastolic heart failure? Ventricle doesn't fill, but ejection fraction is preserved. Perfect. What lab has the highest sensitivity for acute heart failure? BNP. And what's the most specific finding in right heart failure? Hepatojugular reflux. Great. When do we hear an S3? Systolic heart failure or any other cause of volume overload. And how about an S4? Diastolic heart failure. Great. Which physical exam finding is correlated with a BNP increase? S3 because they're both from backed up fluid. What's the most common cause of right heart failure? Left heart failure by far. If isolated from lung disease, it's called core pulmonale. Great. And what are the most common causes of systolic heart failure? Coronary artery disease, diabetes, and much less commonly dilated cardiomyopathy. And how about the most common causes of diastolic heart failure, especially on exams? Hypertension, sedentary lifestyle slash obesity, and much less commonly restrictive cardiomyopathies. Perfect. What's the type of hypertrophy that we'll see in HEF-REF? E-centric. Great. And the type of hypertrophy in HEF-PEF? Concentric. And Ben, what's a great mnemonic that you came up with for remembering those two? REC and PECON, as in reduced is eccentric, preserved is concentric, and the mnemonic is I recommend PECON PI. Great. What are the physical exam findings in eccentric hypertrophy? Displaced PMI and a mitral regurge murmur. And what's the hemodynamic cause of all uh, high output heart failure? Decreased SVR. Wonderful. What are the two causes of high output heart failure from increased metabolic demand? Hyperthyroidism and anemia. And how about two causes of high output heart failure from increased number of blood vessels? Obesity, Paget disease. What's one cause of high output heart failure that you get from bypass of arteriolar pressure? AV fistula, also Paget disease. And what are the physical exam findings we'd expect in high output heart failure? You would see physical exam findings stemming from hyperdynamic circulation. So increased pulse pressure, warm extremities, flow murmur, and bounding pulses. Perfect. And Ben, why don't you take us away with high yield facts from episode five? I can't think of a good reason not to. (laughs) What two pathways mediate cardiac remodeling? So that would be the RAS, renin-angiotensin-aldosterone system, and sympathetic pathways in general. Can you name two reasons why these are activated? 
So first, decreased renal blood flow, and second, decreased baroreceptor stretch. What do they increase that's bad? They'll increase both afterload and preload, putting more strain on the heart. How does the Ross system affect vessels? Angiotensin II causes vasoconstriction everywhere, but especially at the renal afferent and efferent arterioles. How does Ross affect delivery of sodium and chlorine to the glomerulus slash nephron? This comes up on tests a lot and it decreases it. How does Ross increase preload? Aldosterone will signal for the resorption of isotonic fluid at the nephron. What kind of AKI does acute heart failure cause? It will cause a pre-renal AKI, which in this case we would, cause car- we would call cardiorenal syndrome. What are the classic lab findings for a pre-renal AKI? You would expect a BUN to creatinine ratio greater than 20 and a FENA, fractional excretion of sodium, less than 1%. What are the two pathways for developing cardiorenal syndrome? So first is renal venous congestion, and second is decreased renal perfusion. How does worsening renal function affect heart failure? Just like we previously talked about, you get RAS system activation, and that increases preload and afterload, worsening the heart failure. In one word, why does hyponatremia develop in heart failure? ADH, antidiuretic hormone. You cheated on the words. I, I did, I did, I did. How do we escape the cardiorenal cycle? You escape it using furosemide, which decreases renal venous congestion. Three main treatments for acute decompensated heart failure. First, high-dose Lasix. Second, oxygen, often through BiPAP. And third, IV nitroglycerin or nitroprusside. Which beta blockers improve mortality in chronic HEFRA? Those would be metoprolol and carvedilol. Which ACEs slash ARBs slash ARNIs? So pretty much all of them will improve mortality. What's special about ARNIs? So ARNIs are combination pills. In addition to being made up of an ARB, they also have a neprilysin inhibitor, which prevents BNP from being broken down. Which mineral corticoid antagonists improve mortality in HEFRA? Those would be spironolactone and aplerinone. Of all these medications, which is used in HEF-PEF? Spironolactone and aplerinone. What are the new drugs on the block for both HEF-REF and HEF-PEF mortality benefit? Those would be the SGLT2 inhibitors, especially in pagliflozin. Okay, Yakov, take us away for the last episode, High Yield Facts. All right, here are High Yield Facts from shock. Ben, what are the four types of shock? Hypovolemic, obstructive, cardiogenic, and distributive. And what's the primary hemodynamic insult we expect in each? In hypovolemic, CVP. In obstructive, PCWP. In cardiogenic, cardiac index. And in distributive, SVR as well as CVP. And what does each hemodynamic measurement represent? CVP is right preload. PCWP or LVEDP is left preload. Cardiac index is cardiac output and SVR is afterload. And which two hemodynamic measurements are almost always inversely related in shock? SVR and cardiac output. So let's say your patient is in shock with a decreased SVR. What type of shock does that patient have? Distributive. And let's say your patient is in shock with an increased PCWP. What type of shock does that patient have? Cardiogenic. What are the causes of hypovolemic shock you'd expect on exams? Hemorrhage, GI losses, and burns.
What are the four hemodynamics of hypovolemic shock? Decreased CVP, decreased PCWP, decreased cardiac output, and increased SVR. And what's the treatment for hypovolemic shock? Fluids, and then blood for hemorrhage. And what treatment is contraindicated for hypovolemic shock, specifically in hemorrhage? Pressors. What are the causes of obstructive shock we can expect to see on exams? Massive pulmonary embolism, cardiac tamponade, and tension pneumothorax. And what are the hemodynamic changes we'd expect in obstructive shock? Increased CVP, decreased BCWP, decreased CO, increased SVR. And is there any difference in hemodynamics uh, when tamponade is the cause of your obstructive shock versus the other causes of obstructive shock? Yes, you'll see an increased PCWP. Great. And what's Beck's triad? Hypotension, JVD, and muffled or distant heart sounds related to cardiac tamponade. And what's the treatment for obstructive shock? Treat the underlying cause. So anticoagulant or fibrinolytic for PE, periocardiosynthesis for tamponade, needle thoracentesis, and chest tube for tension pneumo. And what are the causes of cardiogenic shock that we'll see on exams? Acute MI, acute decompensated heart failure, arrhythmias, cardiac contusion, and trauma. And what are the hemodynamic changes we'd expect in cardiogenic shock? Increased CVP and PCWP, decreased cardiac index, and increased SVR. And how do we treat cardiogenic shock? Again, underlying cause. We already spoke about MI in a previous lecture. With acute decompensated heart failure, add inotropes. And for arrhythmias, go to our ACLS algorithm, algorithm, which we'll discuss in future episodes. Great. And what are the three subtypes of distributive shock? Septic, anaphylactic, and neurogenic. And what causes anaphylactic shock? Severe IgE-mediated allergic reaction. And what causes sepsis? Severe infection. And finally, what causes neurogenic shock? Spinal cord trauma, loss of vascular tone. And what are the hemodynamics for septic and anaphylactic shock? Decreased CVP, decreased PCWP, increased cardiac output, and decreased SVR. And is there anything special in terms of hemodynamics when it comes to neurogenic shock? It has the same hemodynamics as other distributive shock etiologies, except for cardiac output. Neurogenic has decreased cardiac output. And is there a special VBG, venous blood gas, finding? In distributive shock, you will see an SVO2 above the upper limit of normal. And what's the treatment of each subtype of distributive shock? For anaphylaxis, we give IM epinephrine. For septic shock, we give aggressive IV fluid hydration and pressors if needed, as well as antibiotics. For neurogenic, you have to talk to neurosurgery, but you will also use pressors. And that concludes our SOAP note or high yield question and answer session. We hope you found this helpful uh, and thanks for tuning in. And good luck on your exams. <laughs>